Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Hey everyone. Okay, so I've got Rob back uh, for part two of his his journey in the, into craftsmanship, bladesmithing, blade can't even talk, and knife making. Um, so I want to kick this one off with, what are you still learning about bladesmithing today? How's it changed? So for me, people don't understand that there's kind of, there's so many different ways you can go with, with bladesmithing. Like now my next stage is getting into the uh, hammer forging side of it, um, which is a whole nother realm altogether. Yeah. So, you know, more equipment, you know, more stuff, <laughs> more stuff you got to buy and it ain't cheap. No. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at now is the next stage is for me is making Damascus forge welding you know, all that, that's the next stages for me. That's where I'm at now. Okay. So who's teaching you that? How are you learning all that? So, uh, my three teachers. So like, uh, Kim breed, um, Ryan Johnson, Ryan, um, I'm actually in the middle of getting ready to schedule to try and go see him in the first part of next year. Um, and then the last person that I'm going to be making my pilgrimage to, um, is to see Elmer Roush in North Carolina or South Carolina. Uh, Asheville, Asheville, is that North, South, South Carolina? North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. North Carolina. I can't remember. Um, so we'll be heading over to see him. And then even Chris Williams has invited me cause he makes a bunch of Damascus in the, uh, in the winter time. Yeah. Cool. Um, actually that's my, my segue to next stuff. Uh, and this can be a huge one. So you can touch on it or talk about as much or as little as you want. Can you talk about the different, uh, steel metal, all that stuff, like materials, and why they matter in blades. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. So where do I start? Hold on. Hold on one second. D. Hold on one second. Okay. D. So uh, steels. Well, so everything is based on use. It's like, it's like, so if I were to, if I were to try to communicate with gun people, uh, yeah, well it is like, so, okay. Cause I know, cause I understand calibers. Okay. So, um, you ever heard the saying, never shoot a large caliber man with a small caliber bullet. Yep. All right. So application of steel is the same way, okay. you know, calibers are for use, right? Uh, you wouldn't, you know, yeah, you, you could get away with shooting a white tail with a 243. Uh, I wouldn't try shooting a Cape Buffalo with a 243. You know what I mean? So steels are kind of the same way, you know, uh, you're, for instance, uh, nowadays we got more of what they call the Gucci steels, which are your powdered metals. Um, your, your CMs as they would refer to them with the crucible steels. Um, but in the way of average application, you know, when you look at self-defense, I mean, dude, you could kill somebody with a broken bottle. I mean, yeah. You know, Anything so steels. That's why yeah. I don't like the word weapon. I mean, I yeah. Tool. yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the way of EDC, we, at least as far as my philosophy, I break everything down into categories. In other words, you have um, 
you have self-defense tool, EDC, breaching, and bushcraft. And cooking. <laughs> and cooking. Yeah, cooking. Uh, the, cook, the cooking part about it is, is that um, the characteristics and what you're using, like in other words, you can make a phenomenal cooking knife out of uh, regular high carbon steel, say a 1084, 1095. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. But then you have the, the, the you have the snobs out there. You have steel snobs the same way you've got probably got caliper snobs. Yeah. You know, um, you got people that I like, well, I would never shoot that. Well, it'll kill you just as dead as anything else. Yeah. So steel's the same way. It's no different. Um, but in the way of the categories, right, mm -hmm. you have to be able to develop a certain like, OK, for instance, self-defense tools. Uh, I don't. I'm not really looking for the indestructibility like I would for, say, a breacher. Right. Right. But although there are breaching steels that can apply mm -hmm. to the self-defense side of it or self, you know, self-protection side of it. Sure. Why? Because, yeah, it's already it's already over. It's overbuilt. It's like shooting somebody with a 308. It's got more than enough bullet. Yeah. You know, um, it's plenty. Yeah. Uh, or shooting a deer with a 308 whitetail. Yeah, it's plenty. It's more than enough bullet. Uh but like when you start getting into bushcraft and breaching, now you got to be real careful what you're selecting. Because now when you look at bushcraft, uh, you're talking about somebody who's going to go out in the woods and they're going to try to survive with nothing but their knife. Mm -hmm. So you want something that's going to be able to last and it's got to have certain characteristics. Um, a lot of guys still favor high carbons, although you've got your, you know, ADCRV2, your S7s, uh, which is one of your higher end stool uh, tool steels. Um, when it comes to EDC, I'm a huge fan. If you like stainless, um, I'm a real big fan of 154CM, Nitro V, AEBL. Um, if you like carbon, ah, man, I've turned into a real big fan of 52100, which is a classic ball bearing steel which is really durable and it takes an incredible edge. As a matter of fact, the run of blades that I just did for Clint Emerson, we built them out of 52100, nice. um, which I really, man, I, it takes a phenomenal edge. They've been using it in kitchen knife manufacturing for years, but for like an everyday EDC, something you're just going to carry on your person all the time, 52100 is phenomenal. Uh, I'm just a huge fan of carbon. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of carbon just because of the edge oh my god and it doesn't break the bank i don't people don't realize it well rob why aren't you using s35 vn well because i don't want to have to charge you 550 dollars for this knife yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i'm uh, you're you're not paying for the steel i'm giving you high quality steel but i'm not breaking your back mm. you know if i if i if i build this same blade in this steel you're no longer paying say 150 you're paying 450 for it yeah. So people don't understand that. Yeah. 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 Um, and in the gun industry, and this is something that we're, we're struggling to try to get through right now with double star is that. So we talked about the two circles mm -hmm. and the majority of your gun people don't want to drop that kind of money on a knife. That's why your 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 mass production manufacturers, whether they be whether they be foreign or domestic, yeah. 
have a tendency of basically being in control of the knife industry from the gun side. Your SOG, your K-Bar, your CRKTs, your uh, Gerber, Camillus, Kershaw, Case, um, and the list goes on and on. These are all mass production, domestic mass production import manufacturers. They run it. Why? Well, the stuff on their their highest side is like 125 bucks, right? 150 bucks max. Where limited production domestic, which is where we are, yep. And that's what we're where I'm trying to get through to them is that we're we're our prices are limited production domestic. So that that overlap in the two circles that you're talking about, when you break. When you are in that category, you could take that little itty bitty circle where there's an overlap and you might as well make it as small as humanly possible because that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. And people don't want to pay American prices, which no. blows my mind, you know, and I think Nick talked about that on either my podcast or the one that he did. I mean, but I love your knives. I want a tomahawk one day, so I got to invest in that. But this thing is so cool. And what, what people don't know is you can engrave them with your machines. So you put three gun Kenzie on there. Yep. Just so neat. You can customize. I, who doesn't? But like that, that was that knife right there was our entry into the import market. Yeah. That's why we were able to make it affordable, and people don't understand that. For, on the American side, okay. So for instance, we're actually getting ready to consider to start making that blade domestically. Okay, cool. And it may not happen until next fall. Yeah. You know, uh, but we're talking about it. We're we're getting to where we're going to start. We're trying to we're trying to project this image now. Like you're branding this, yourself and adding value as a USA based company. Well, but that means that you're 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 really more of a boutique. Yeah. The stuff that we make is really you're you're really looking more toward boutique prices. Yeah. Um, and and that's what I'm trying to say because to try to say that we appeal to the gun people. That's a loaded, it's a loaded question. It's yeah. very loaded because yeah, there are knife people who will gladly drop. Matter of fact, 150 bucks for a knife, for a knife person. That's easy. Yeah. That's, that's a no brainer. Um, but to tell a gun person, yeah, I, I want 150 bucks for this fixed blade. And they look at you like you got another eyeball. You know, but it's because of the market, because of the names that I mentioned prior. Yeah. You know, and and they and those guys control the lion's share of that overlapping circle. Um, That's like the same with teaching. It it frustrates me so much when somebody degrades our value of education where, hey, I teach this class is my amount. Oh, I'm going to pay $20 for three hours. Like, well, you're not paying for the time. You're paying for all the experience and credentials and the time that I put into this. So I get super frustrated. It's an investment. It is an investment. Um, And and I thought it would have been easier to do with the gun people. Yeah. Um, But it's turned out. And again, it's, it's been uh, this past five years have been. It's, it's been, it's been very, it's been, I'm. It's been difficult. Uh, It's been very hard. On uh, because you know, trying to get geared up, I've spent the I've basically spent the last four years predominantly working solo, yeah. uh, trying to keep the division up and get it going and, and move it and get everything set up and, and where it's going in a proper direction. And again, we've 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 
but it heads again, because I'm not a gun guy. I'm yeah. not a transplant. So yes. I don't even, again, how we talked about Grossman, this idea of separation of target, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm up close and personal. They're all range, you know, so we've had to, but we've done a, a really good job of trying to get the communication down to where we're, we're all kind of speaking the same language. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're making some real solid moves to begin to, to develop who that, as you said, that niche market and, and who we're going to try and go to. And uh, like on my side, it's been easy. On the Philo side, it's been easy because my people, my people know me. They're, they know me. They know exactly where I'm coming from. They know me. And people were like, well, and, and, and they see me a double star and I keep trying to tell them, yeah, but here it's not just me. I'm a conglomerate. There's, I'm, I'm, I'm not just representing me. I'm representing an entire company. So therefore I need, we, we there needs to be a, a cohesive message that we're all going to stand by and say, no, we're going to lock arms. And we're going to say, this is us. This is who we are. And whether you're buying a gun or you're buying a knife, this is it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, these are the things you're getting, you know, you're getting a, an American made company that was built from the ground up. Yep. Period. Custom, custom made, you know, you can yeah. add your flair to it. Um, but you also get the experience of expertise. And I think that's something you should probably market to is that you are shooters. You are defensive, you know, or not defensive attack trainers. Um, those are a lot of valuable things. Like when Nick, you know, you can call up Nick and he can literally pick up the phone and talk you through what rifle build you want or what parts or, you know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're working on that. It's a process, you know, um, yeah. and, and getting through that. And another thing is realizing you can't make everybody happy. You can't, you're not going to be able to satisfy everybody. It's not going to happen. So why try just find that group of people that recognizes you and who you are and what you're doing and just work that yep that's worked and that's what we're trying to do right now we're we're trying to better hone down you know who are who are and who so, our market is yeah yeah it takes a long time to figure out but um okay one of those burning questions i have to know how can i tell that it's like a Nick blade or something that you made, or sorry, Rob blade. Look at that. <laughs> like, what's your, do you have a mark? Do you have like a craftsmanship that I like know that it's yours? Yeah. Like a lot of my designs, if you, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, amongst us makers, we know we can tell, okay. um, like the, uh, like the, the wrath, the fury, the Halcon, the Fang, uh, the noogie. <laughs> I have one of those. <laughs> That's me. Uh, the noogie was a collaborative between me and Jesse Starnes. Love it. Um, but the yeah, the fury, the wrath, the dracon, the fang. Uh, those those are me. Those are mine. Um, you look at like Kim Breed. He designed the Chico Diablo. Ah. Um, and if you look at Kim's work, it's got a particular look to it. Me. you know, I've had people, my stuff has got a particularly violent look to it. I like it. <laughs> if you look at, if you look at my stuff, like for me, like my two strongest creations 
is the the wrath and the alcohol. Yeah. Those two pieces of kit. They just they just look me. They look angry. They're 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 pissed all the time. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're mad all the time. Um, you know, like if you, it, it becomes more evident when you go to like my my IG, you yeah. know, and you see some of the stuff that I'm working on outside of there. Yeah. Um, and you see my style, you know, because I've got a couple of blades that I'm personally working on. Like I'm trying to release into the line. You see the work that I've done with Clint Emerson. I did the design build for 100 Deadly Skills. Um, I designed the Outlaw. So cool. And, and built it. I did, I designed and built it. Um, like if you look at the outlaw, the outlaw looks like me. The outlaw is me. It's the outlaw. Yeah, the outlaw is tw- twelve years of designing. That's so cool. It's yeah. Uh, another one. Wow. I just yeah. I've been designing and building for twelve years now. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand and eight is when I officially made the plunge. Okay, and when you say design, you hand draw, you CAD design. Like, what's the problem? Yeah, I'm a CAD guy. Okay. Okay. And when I say CAD, I don't mean modeling. I do some modeling. I'm a 2d guy. Yeah. I've been doing, I've been doing CAD drafting and drafting since I was 10. Okay, cool. Very cool. I remember when you had your model there and I was like, Oh, you do modeling. (laughs) That's not, no, no. When I think, well, like in the industry, we consider it like 3d, 3d modeling. The 3d guys call what they do CAD. And I'm like, that's not CAD. Sure. (laughs) That's not CAD. You're modeling. You're, you're, you're modeling this. You're making it, you're, you're bringing it into a 3d world. That's yeah. what you're doing, you know, and they're very good at it. So, uh, I don't take that away from them. It's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Funny that know, I was like, I can see a model. Well, 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 CAD means something computer aided drafting. Yeah. They're not drafting. You're no, I've drafted. I've gone pen to linen. I know what that is. You know, so they don't, they haven't done any of that mess. So I don't call you a draftsman. I was a draftsman for a long time. You kind of insult them. No, but that's not what they're doing. I don't care if I insult you. I mean, I'm just going to shoot straight. You know, CAD, it means something. It's an acronym that has a meaning. And if you've never been a draftsman, you know, how do you, you're not drafting. To me, you're, to me, it's more appropriate to call them like what they do is modeling. They'll yeah. basically take a 2D and bring it into a 3D world, which requires a whole nut, you know, a whole nother set of skills. So I definitely big props, but it's I just don't see it as the same thing, you know. Yeah. Okay. You and going back, you mentioned hammer forge is something you're working on. What yeah. are the different ways that blades are formed or forged? You basically have two styles. You have stock removal or hammer forging. Um, hammer forging is is what you've seen on Forge and Fire, where you basically heat the steel. And you pound it into submission. Yep. You you beat it into force. Where stock removal, you grind it off. Okay. You take it off. And people are like, oh, well, that's easier. No. It takes no. Time. Yeah, well, not only that is it takes a great deal of skill. I was going to say it has to be perfect. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Pressure, movement, angling, understanding how to heat treat. Yeah. People are like, oh, that's the easy route. Yeah, bro, I'll tell you what. You come up to my shop and you can apprentice and you can tell me how easy it is. Well, just like shooting is really easy. You just pull a trigger. That's it. You just pull a trigger. That's it. Five yards that's away. <laughs> okay. Well, that's like, you know, me and, and my guys. Between a shot. Okay. Exactly. And uh, well, I mean, let's just look at trigger pull. Trigger pull is about the closest thing I've ever seen to grinding. Mm-hmm. Grinding, good. grinding, you're controlling yep. pressure and angle and feed in one, two, three, four five different planes beautiful you know how to speak gun <laughs> yeah 
the same thing with trigger pull. Trigger pull is yeah. no different. Yeah. You know, you positioning, you know, are you weaver? Or are you isosceles? Okay. Well, how do you approach the grinder? What position are you in? How well are you rooted? You know, what, what is, you know, th that, that all applies. This is the closest I've seen to it. Yeah. You know, breathing, how you address the wheel, you know, what are you thinking about? Mm, yeah. If your mind's yeah. elsewhere, that's when you F up, you know, I've heard yeah. across the board, like, um, people, the, the messed up items, whether it's guns, knives, whatever was made on a Friday. <laughs> Actually for me, the biggest thing is like, I gotta be clear stress. I can't, yeah. I can't like, Oh my God, I can't create. If yeah. I, if I've got like, and I've told them, you know, they like, well, Rob, you can just fix that. No, I don't just fix it. You know, that takes skill. I mean, this is an artisan thing. This isn't like I just walk up and push a button. <laughs> you know, I gotta, I gotta be in the mood. Really? I do. I've got to no, be in the mood. You're an artist. That's what I Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, it's like sharpening. Sharpening yeah. is sharpening is a symphony at my place. Okay. Okay. Sharpening is a symphony. When you got to sit down, you got to sharpen 200 knives or a hundred knives, 50 knives and each blade, every single one of them has got to be on point. Literally. Everyone literally, <laughs> you know, you got to be into it. And my guys like, well, cool. Cause I got the greatest guys in the world. Yeah. Well, you know, when they first came up, you know, and we started, they started learning, you know, and I started telling them all this stuff. And in the very first day I set you down to sharpen, you see it immediately. And I'm giving you an easy way to sharpen. It's not even free-handed sharpening. Right. You know, your fixture sharpening. You know, you're setting up in a production atmosphere. And my God, dude, it becomes extremely obvious because there's still elements like what I try to do is I try to take at least two of the axes out okay. when you sharpen so that you don't have to work as much at maintaining the rest of the axes. Mm -hmm. So the way we sharpen a double star is we use we use what they call a tool rest method. And we run tool rest method this way. I can control at least two of the axes. So you don't have to, because when you freehand sharpen or you freehand grind, yeah. you're controlling all those axes. Right. And the person who's not skilled at doing that, you're going to have a lot of scrap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the worst like um, blade that you've seen like someone take care of, like in the worst way? Oh my God. I got the perfect one. Okay. So I built this guy a karambit out of carbon steel. This is 1095 carbon steel. This is the same stuff that, I mean, this is like, I'm trying to think of carbon steel. Uh, uh, just picked a okay, K bar. Okay. K bar is made out of 1095. So I build him this karambit. says carbon steel right on it. I told him it was carbon steel. Iterated. You got to take it. You got to treat it just like a gun. Uh, four months later, he sends me a picture of this blade. And it is absolutely ate up. I mean, absolutely ate up with, with oxidation. And I go, oh, my God, what? And he goes, dude, this thing is rusting. And I'm like, have you taken care of it? Did you have you oiled it? Well, no. And I'm like, bro, I told you this was carbon steel. You need to treat it. I said, I asked you specifically, do you have a gun? And he's like, yes, I have a gun. I said, do you take care of your gun? Yes, I take care of my gun. Okay, so you clean it and all it when you're done shooting it. Yes, I do that. Okay, I said, so that's exactly the same way you need to treat this knife. Got it. <laughs> no, and then I find out that not only is he not taking care of it, he basically uses it, puts it back in the sheath, and throws it in a gym bag. Oh, gross. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's there with all that humidity uh, yeah. and body sweat and all that. And I'm like, I'm like, it looked, it, it looked horrible. It was a sad, oh my God, up just see one of my, it was, it was bad. <laughs> it was really painful. bad. Yes. It was extremely painful, but what got me was how oblivious this cat was. Right. Dude. I asked you, mm-hmm. do you have guns? That's usually one of my first check. You should have said, you should have said, Hey, can you pull out your guns now for me to look at? Let me see your guns. Let me see what your guns look like. So, I mean, yeah, that's the worst one. That's, that's, that's definitely the worst. That's the worst one. That's fair. So for those yeah. listening, what are some good tips? It doesn't have to be that type of steel, but just in general, what should they do? Clean and dry your knives after use and then oil them. Um, I don't care if you want to put them in the dish, dish, you know, wash them in the sink or whatever. Don't put them in the dishwasher, but if you want to wash them in the sink, dry them off really good. Um, if you're, if it's a kitchen knife, use consumable grade mineral. Um, if you don't have that, uh, if you use the knife regularly, a little bit of olive oil mm. on kitchen knives works fine. Just put a real, 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 real thin coat because if you use it regularly, you're not going to have to worry about the oil spoiling on the blade because you're using it every day oh, that's cool. or you're using it really often. Uh, but if you're going to, if the knife is a blade that you're in a kitchen and you don't use it often, I would recommend using consumption grade mineral. Um, if it's not going to be used all the time because it won't spoil on you. Um, I'm a huge now for me, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes, when it comes to my oils that I like to use, uh, I'm a diehard corrosion X fan. Okay. Um, that stuff is bulletproof in the way of taking care of uh, to carbon bleed car, carbon steel blades okay. it's it's bulletproof it's absolutely i mean it smokes frog lube it smokes them all okay i'd even recommend for guns like if you're going to store <laughs> yeah if you got guns that you're going to store and you know you're not going to shoot them often yeah. i recommend corrosion x okay. um i'd buy a little bit and try it you know and and put your stuff away so when I do when I work with Damascus, I use Corrosion X explicitly okay. because I can make a Damascus blade, clean it, etch it, etch it, dry it, hit it with Corrosion X. I can take that same Damascus blade. I've got a Damascus blade that I have not touched with oil in four and a half to five years. Because you treat it with that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can take if you go to uh, if you go to YouTube, you go to Corrosion X. The guy does a there's a guy that does a saltwater test on all the top lubricants. Yeah. And hands down, Corrosion X is it's the baddest one out there. So I use it. I use it explicitly on a lot of my stuff. Um, Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Keep them clean. Keep them dry. If you're one of these people that like to use your your pocket knife to cut apples. okay, the sugar that comes off of fruit is extremely corrosive. So make sure you clean your blade after you cut an apple or something with it. Wash it, clean it off, dry it, and, and make sure you put a little coat of oil on it. People like, the, like the, the brimstones that we have, we tell them right off the bat that that is not stainless steel. Yeah. Make sure you keep it clean and make sure you keep it oiled because it will rust. Yeah, yeah. How about the people that um, pull their shotgun rounds that are stuck down? <laughs> Lifter. Hey, as long as it works. It did. It did. Did you as see that video? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, when you posted it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, props to the props to the brimstone. Right. I was like, hell yeah. 
we got some really hot ones coming out here in a, in a few weeks. We, uh, we're supposed to be getting our order. Um, those are imports. We just did a combination where we do red and black, red and black G10. And we did OD and black G10 and they came out, man, they're hot. They're super hot, super hot. Is that coming out for shot show? Yeah, we'll have them for shot show. Actually, if everything works out good, (laughs) well, because I'm having manufacturing issues. Uh, We're having production issues in the way of getting stuff lined up because uh, we're so busy on the gun side Mm -hmm. that it it, it bites off the lion's share of the resources. So I have to scream really loud to get my stuff in there. Yeah, Yeah, I have to I have to really go in there and and (laughs) stir it up a little bit. But that's fine. They once you know it's all you know get them. Hey, I need to get this done. I need to make this happen. You're scary when you command a crowd too. It's quiet, like stoic demeanor. You're like, oh, Rob has. Well, they they just yeah. I'm not always like that though. I'm actually fun. No, I know. I just it's it's I I you know I again I think it's got a lot to do with my 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 upbringing and um. The, the career that I chose, you know, yeah. for 22 years, you know, surveyors, especially in the type of work that I did are extremely, they're very team oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very results driven. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the task, getting it finished and moving on to the next one. Um, and there's a lot of team spirit in land surveying, like crews. Um, when you run and operate crews as party chiefs, um, and, and, and you run, you're basically running teams of guys is what you're yeah. doing is you're running teams and you, you've got to do it. If you got to get the job done, man, we got, we got to do this. And so there's no BS in around. Everything's extremely black and white. You know, if, if, if your buddy is, you know, he's, he's sandbagging, you're going to let him know, yeah. you know, oh, I you're call gonna him ha- social media. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just call him out on the line, dude, you're yeah. dragging. Come on, we got crap to do. There's so many you know. people in USDSA sandbagging right now. They're like, oh, look at my C-class trophy and my money I won. I'm like, C-class, bitch, you're A-class. <laughs> you're like Templi. <laughs> There's one that will literally throw classifiers to not move up. And we're like, you're sandbagging, dude. Okay. Yeah, let me stay down here and put with the poodles just so I can look really good. Like, why do you want to win B-class? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely not. So, Yeah. So we got that coming out. We're going to be doing some off-color Ahabs. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on. We've got our own modelers now. We're doing a lot of. We do all of our own fixturing. We're. Uh, we've got. Uh, we've added to the growth. The guys are picking it up. I've got a really good team. Uh, we're. You know, we're trying to work up to. Um, well, if everything works out right, we've redesigned. We retabled the light fighter which was designed by Darren Soroy. We tabled it and we've actually taken that blade back to the way it's supposed to be built. Oh, cool. um, it is actually almost, it's pretty much exactly the way the custom is. Oh, neat. So yeah, the custom, there was some characteristics. I wasn't involved in the initial development of it, but they decided to make some changes to it were to where they took a, one of the finger scallops out and they got away from the build. Here's the deal. When you call on board a guy like Darren Saroy, a 20-year veteran, um, combat veteran, Sergeant Major, uh, been in countless combat, tier one level operator, uh, and you take a design from him, what are you changing? There's nothing to change. 
That's his knife. Yeah. You know? So we went back to, we went back to task on that. We basically built the knife exactly the way he wanted it built. Cool. Okay. Period, exclamation point, whatever you want to put for punctuation. Um, so we're building that out of uh, 52100. And we're doing, a com- I'm trying to set it up to where you can do, it. see, in the, in, in the knife industry, the quintessential cornerstone is a combat utility. Mm-hmm. Think about it, right? The combat utility, K-Bar. Yeah. Um, Gerber has got a combat utility. SOG. Um, and then when you look at our industry, when you look at limited production domestic, we're in the ring with some real heavy hitters, uh, Spartan Blades. Those guys are all retired pipe hitters. Um, uh, um, golly, RMJ, they're in the same, they're in the same level. Jack Stottlemyre, um, and the list goes on and on with all these guys who build combat utilities. And so we said, okay, we got a combat utility built by a combat vet. Right. Why are we so? We need to we need to run that thing exactly the way it is. We need to market the living crap out of that. Yeah. Because the guy, better than the fact that he's an American hero, he's an amazing human being. Um, so what we're going to try to do is, is we're going to try to set up to where you can build your own. So we'll offer three or four different scale types and then two or three different sheath types to okay. where you can mix and match colors. Um, we're trying to do that, but predominantly the three main colors that we're going to be operating, we'll be running three, we're going to be running black. So we're going with a, uh, patinaed, uh, tumbled finish Ooh, okay. with the blade. It's yeah. carbon steel It's 52,100. Uh, we're going to be running for scales. We're going to be running coyote with an OD scale or I mean with an OD liner, hmm. or we're going to be running OD with a coyote liner. Okay. And then you'll either be able to run an OD sheath or a coyote sheath. Cool. Your other option is, is all black, blacked out, or we're going to offer black with either a red, white, or blue liner. Yeah. Or you can run it blacked out with one of those liner choices. So cool. Um, and it's because it's a combat utility. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, that knife, I'd put it up against a K-bar any day. Yeah. Okay. Any day. Awesome. Even, I mean, design, functionality, it's the knife period, you know? Um, so we got that and, and this is all, these will all be a shot show. God willing, we're all able to be there. Um, and then the second thing is, is we're getting into the camping market. Uh, yeah, we're making, we're creating the, uh, I've been releasing some IG photos of it. The development of it is the Kodiak field axe. Um, how do we get you guys in the like smoky mountain knife works? Uh, we're talking to them right now. As a matter of fact, (sighs) okay, good. Yeah. We're talking to those guys right now. Yep. We're getting ready. We're going to, well, that was another thing that we had a problem with was, was that we had the blades lined up in a, in a, in a distributor market. Yeah. And that wasn't working for us. That's really difficult. So what we did was we backed out of that. We're getting right back into a pure dealer market. Yeah. So that leaves a lot of opening for guys like Smoky Mountain. Um, So we got the Kodiak uh, field axe, which is actually going to be, we're going to try to keep it right at or just below 250. Um. And it's going to come with a splitting attachment, um, 52,100 steel bikini style sheath. It's basically something that you, you could throw in there. And if you're camping, that's it. You can turn it around, use it as a striking tool. You can use it as a splitting tool, cross-cutting tool, 
whatever. Um, it's going to be that kind of like a, it fit as many uh, slots as humanly possible for the you know, not so much uh, maybe a little upper middle class, but it's definitely a tool that you'll be able to buy that you'll be able to pass down to your kids for, for, cool. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we're adding we're adding two new colors to the folders, uh, red and black layer G10 and OD and black layer G10 to the brimstones, which look absolutely sick. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, then we're adding some off colors to the Ahabs. We purchased enough blanks that we can build some off colors again, like the, I'm a huge fan of OD and black. I love OD and black or coyote and black or, um, some of the different, uh, some of the different, different, uh, swirled G10s. Uh, we're getting into some design build projects. We just got done doing a project for Wyndham where we did, we basically built some knives for them for their, I think it was 10 year anniversary. I think oh, it was okay. for Wyndham for Wyndham weaponry. They basically bought a, a handful of our fangs and we colored them and tricked them out for them. That's neat. So we're getting into some of the design build stuff. So we've got some stuff that my guys and I have been working on. Um, We had, we you know, again, we're just, we just don't know what's going on with the COVID either. Um, it's just, it's hard to read that. Yeah. Yeah. So wrapping up on, on the knife steps too, how could someone get into bladesmithing and work? Is there like apprenticeships out there? Yeah. Uh, your, your easiest thing to do is find a maker. Okay. Uh, be really understanding because a lot of makers are either part-time mm -hmm. or if they are part-time right now they're covered up they're covered up and be prepared that for an apprentice program um like my apprentice program through feel blade works um so i'm teaching you the craft and in return you're helping me get some stuff pushed out the door right yep that's that's the way it goes uh like internships i mean you have to put in the work yeah helping out the company. there's a value and there's a lot of value in yeah trade yeah and all that yeah uh, do i yeah uh in in from basically uh, as an apprentice you're going to learn the basics mm -hmm. you know you learn the hard stuff you learn the hardcore stuff that's going to carry you through and then um as you grow you begin to develop your own style yeah but that you have to get the basics down first Right. But that'd be the easiest thing to do is find a maker, try to find a maker. And a lot, a lot of the old timers, they don't even want to mess with it. Yeah. They don't even want to mess with it. So, you know, that's kind of how that works. Yeah. It's definitely, I don't want to say dying, but we need more people to get into that and keep teaching. Well, it's happening because knife making, because of Forge and Fire is making huge, yeah. you know, it's got a huge, huge thing, which is good and bad. Yeah. Um, you know, because what it's done now is created a whole nother market is created. What I'm referring to is the garage market. Now, um, a lot of the garage builders, some of them, uh, out of, well, golly, let me be careful. Um, you know, if it, the market, I think the market will let you know. Yeah. The market will let you know, you'll, you know, if you're out there and you're making stuff that really shouldn't be sold mm -hmm. and you're selling it, and you're not doing a real good job of it, you won't be selling it long. Fair enough. I, I guess I guess that's kind of the way I think that's probably the safest way to say it. Yeah. 
That's fair. You know, from an economic point of view, the market will take care of itself. Yeah, yeah. That's good though. That nominee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's made nice, you know, the blade show is big now. We've got technically there's three blade show shows now. We've got the one in Houston. We've got Blade Show West, which is actually going to be going on this weekend or just happened last weekend. I can't remember. And then Blade Show East, which is the big one. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's go into that, actually. So shifting gears going into like double start um, and all of that. So I'll get into shows. But how, so Jesse is the one that made the connection with you that you made the blade for him and he referred you. Like, how did the blade division like get started? Well, he, he, him, him and I are in the same uh, FMA tribe. Okay. We're in the same FMA tribe, so we knew each other. And then Jesse is a is a peruser of um, he loves the internet surf, you know. And he saw that I was making stuff, and he was one of the first person to grab it. And then I, you know, started making more stuff. And then I came in initially as a as a designer who was helping them get the division started. Yeah. Um, and then they had been operating as a division for about two years and he was being pulled in way too many directions in the way of being able to sit on it and be able to make it happen. Cause it took a lot of, it takes a lot of, well, in my case, I ended up doing a lot of the development and building my, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically, we started talking. He's like, bro, he says, you know, you want to come up and do this? And I thought about it and I had just retired from surveying and um, prayed about it. And we went ahead and took the dive. Yeah. And uh, it's been an extremely good learning experience. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. We're, we're really working hard to make solid, you know, cause my whole thing is about developing something that's going to last. It's going to yeah. be, concrete you know it's going to make a solid purchase in the way of be here 20 years from now um give me a legacy per se yeah yeah um you know and they're cool with me in the sense that they know that in order for me to good at what be good at what i do i have to be able to stretch my wings and still build and still create and still cover my brand. I've still got to be able to do that because there's a strength in that because there's places that my brand can get to that they can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we all understand that it's all pretty clear. Um, but this end of it in the way of looking at it from the business side and operating it from a sense of a, a, a whole nother market and doing it, and trying to do it is something that is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. That's good though. You yeah. 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 It's, it, 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 uh, it's definitely, it, it's tested and given me a lot more sense of, okay, well, let me curb my role. Mm-hmm. You know, let me, let me curb my role because I came up here to Kentucky and the culture here is completely different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The culture is different. I'm a, you know, I'm a New Yorker. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all in your grill, you know, personality wise. I don't pull punches. I'm extremely transparent. If I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, you know, but I, I just feel like, you know, honesty is the best policy. Just yeah. keep it crystal clear. Um, and it's caused me to, to, to have to do 
you know, like in surveying, it was, again, you're in a team, you're in a, with a bunch of guys. So right. you don't, you don't have to, I hate to say it this way. You don't really need to worry about delivery. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, delivery is one thing, you know, I mean, like I at home, I'm a completely different person, you know, because I'm a father now, you know, and being a father, I have to do, th- I have to handle things differently as a father. But when I was at work, work is work. You know, I have no time to babysit and I've got no time to deal with any kind of politics. It was never that way, yeah. you know, and uh, I've had to, I've had to, and it's given me a little bit more easier side as Nick would say, the, you know, the mayo on the turkey sandwich, you know, okay. that's what, that's what, that's what he calls it. You know, it's the, it's the buffer. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, uh, and he's been, he's been, uh, he's been a huge part of that because he's a very, very good listener. Yes. Um, and a lot of times I just come to him and I just, just vomit out all this stuff. And he's really good at, sifting through it you know and he'll just sit there and listen and listen and i just go on this rant you know and he'll wait till i'm done and then he'll stop and he just kind of picks through everything and he okay we're gonna talk about that and we'll talk about that and we'll talk about that and then by the time he gets to the third one i feel good and then you know and, and we're, we're able to he's like oh dude him and i are an amazing team i mean it's it's crazy how how much he can put up with me it's nuts <laughs> the pew pew and stabby show came together yeah i mean even beyond pew pew and stabby dude i I mean he's just he's been so good at keeping me uh off the edge (laughs) him and him and stacy starnes have been like they definitely keep me hooked on the edge they keep me from jumping completely (laughs) completely out of the building you know those two are those two they i'm surprised that they need to drink more (laughs) i mean having to deal with me Really, to keep me corralled, I can only imagine. I mean, you've heard my wife is like, you know, she keeps me completely locked up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> completely locked up because I'm, I'm, I'm a mess the other way around. But okay, um, so Nick, Nick answered this for me. What's the stupidest thing that you have done, food challenge wise, <laughs> at Double Star? I don't do stupid food challenge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I leave that. I leave that up to him. Okay, what's the dumbest thing you've seen him put in his mouth? Oh my god, the devil's penis or whatever that thing was that he did—the devil's something. The chip. Whatever one he did where he was rolling on the ground on the ground afterwards—that was insane. The one chip challenge. <laughs> there was something that he did, and I'm like, bro, what are you doing, dude? He was on the ground. He was after it was all over. He's on the ground. And he's got that. He, he carries a fan with him wherever he goes. And he's got a fan. He's got the fan on him. He's just laying there. And, bro, he's out. He's like done. He's completely done. And I'm like, man, why did you even do it? And then he well, he did that. Ch- no, oh, no, no. It was like the devil's sucker. It was like a lollipop that was like the, the, the heat of the face of the sun or something. Um. <laughs> And he did that. I'm like, bro, that was ridiculous. Why did you do that? So he did it anyways. And I'm like, so stupid. <laughs> That's why we love him. <laughs> oh my God. He's and I look at him like, why are you doing that? Oh, I just and he's like, Well, because it's fun. And I'm like, Yeah, I don't want to have that much fun. <laughs> he's not gonna live very long. <laughs> no, don't do that. And he's been, you know, yeah, it, we're the perfect, yeah, we're we're perfect when it comes to that. Cause yeah, he's he's uh 
like I said, he's been, he's been, he's an amazing brother. He's like I said, man, he's, I can't, I can't say any more, any more about him in the way of, you know, he's just been a, he's a great human being, you know, there is 100 oh do we laugh we love going on road trips together <laughs> they're so uh, cute we couple. we love going on road trips together we went to uh we went to um we went to louisiana together to shoot some stuff with gun talk and that was a blast um then we went to go visit kim breed together yeah him and i just we just have a lot of fun and learn a lot we, we learn a lot but we laugh we laugh a lot mm-hmm a lot there's a lot of laughing that goes on <laughs> you need that yeah he he definitely he de- he definitely helps me um relax okay. yeah he's, he's a great friend and a good brother that's awesome uh going back to what you said earlier um how how freeing is it to have a job where you get to create you know they let you innovate um they even sometimes let you fail right like how awesome is that yeah uh when, as far as that goes, I've got the best job in the world. Um, I can honestly say, despite the corporate politics and, and dealing with, you know, working in a, in a larger company, the, the for me, the saving grace is being able to, well, okay, I get to go back up to my Zen. <laughs> yeah. I go back up to my shop and I get to create, I get to make, I get to, uh, I get to do that part of it. And believe it or not, it's a great balance. Yeah. You wouldn't think so. But the fact that I have to balance both, I have to deal with the business side of it and then deal with the uh, the manufacturing side of it. It's gotten even better since now that they've given me a great team. Yeah. So now the lifting, because I'm very much team oriented, you know, this ship is going to sink or it's going to float and we're all taking credit for it. That's awesome. That's the way I was brought up in surveying with crews. Yeah. You know, we all... You know, yeah, the party chief's the first guy to say it was on me, but then his eye man and the rest of the crew is stepping in and saying, nah, it was us. We were there too, Yeah. you know, and that's how, and that's how I run my teams. That's how I run my crew. And that's how we set the shop up. Um, we're, if we're, if we're making it, we're making it together. Yeah. We're all doing this together. So my crew, uh, Derek, my man, Derek, uh, who's my senior tech and, um, uh, Jake Rainey, who's my shop manager. Uh, I couldn't get it done without those two. Those two are killing it. And I'm, it, you know, they're just, they're just awesome. There's those two. And I love it because they, they get it. Mm-hmm. They get it. They understand the passion. They understand the level of precision, passion, excellence that drives us. Yeah. They know it, they get it, they accept it, you know, and they, and they know that, the passion and all that is a necessary component to get to where we're going to try to get to. Yeah. And they, (laughs) yeah, they're all about it, man. They're all about it. They're all about it. They're all about every, every, you know, it's not like we're going to blim. No, every blade has to make it. Yeah. We got to do everything in our power to get that blade out. I don't care what it is. What do we do? How do we make it happen? Um, And then each one is treated with love, man. Everyone there, you know, the stages that we have to control, the way we handle those blades, the way, the way that to the way that they're handled when they're sharpened, you know, uh, every blade is treated like it's special. Every single one of them. That's really cool. Why? Well, Go ahead. Yeah, you have to. It has to be that way. And it's not just another widget. Yeah, and you take pride in your work. A lot of companies don't do that so much anymore, even on like a production line. 
Yeah. I mean, a blade knives are personal. Yes. Yeah. Knives are personal. It doesn't get any more personal than you being stuck out in the woods mm -hmm. and you got to use a fire starter now to generate heat or you're not going to survive. I don't think it's much of a person. You got to use your knife to be able to generate shelter. Uh, that more, much more personal than that. Uh, you got, you got to pull off of non-dominant side knife because your right side where your guns at is under control because you're being attacked. Doesn't get much more personal than that. Um, your son's first bow kill being field dressed with the Chico Diablo doesn't get any more personal than that. You know, a law enforcement officer carrying an Ahab right behind his mag carrier and his, in his uh, non-dominant side in case he needs it. That's not, that's, that's, it doesn't get any more personal than that. Yeah. I think that's really well said. Uh, I have a lot of sentimental things that uh, knives are one of them. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. It's a personal thing. It's, it's, it doesn't get any more personal than a knife. Where do you, you know, why do you think there's so much lore and there's so much, you know, um, legend around yeah. knives? There's a reason for that. They're personal. It's, it's the oldest, it's the quintessential tool. You know, it's the cornerstone of survival yeah. is, is a good knife period. Full stop. You know, I know guys right now, I got my man, my man, Craig Cottle, Craig Cottle, you can kick that joker out of a car with nothing, but a knife. with nothing. No, he don't even need a knife. Uh -oh. <laughs> and if he tell any, but if you take, you take a knife, he's all forget about survive for weeks. He's that guy. He's that guy, man. He's that guy tracker, man, tracker, you know, all that jazz. So you give him a knife, forget about it, dude. I'll create, I'll create my own my own city back there in the woods, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll kick me out of here. And three, you know, three years later, I got a town out there, yeah. you know, but so it doesn't get any more personal than a knife. It doesn't. So to me, each, you know, you know, sharpening, uh, we got a, we got a nice method to sharpening everything. Every single blade that comes out of my shop gets hand dropped. Every knife. One guy came up to me one day and he's like, Yo, man, if you went ahead and used the leather stropping method on the grinder, they'd get done faster. I'm like, yeah, but it's not as personal. Yeah. There's something about hand stropping a blade. Yeah. That last and final stage, there's something magical about it. There's something because it's literally like you're taking it to the final stage and the edge of that blade is being born. It's now it's really being born. It's happened. You can feel it with every stroke across the leather. You know, every stroke, and then you walk over to the best tester, bang, 120, 130, you know, razor sharp, every single one of them lined out. They get all lined out. They're there getting ready to get dressed, to get scaled up. My man, Derek, taking care of torque on the scales, checking it, feeling it, making sure it feels right. Bang, 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 fire the sheath a couple of times. Boom. I mean, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's You're awesome. Like cry. I think that was this is why I like working with entrepreneurs and hearing entrepreneurship stories and all of that, because the passion comes through, the why comes through. And like, again, going back to like American made companies and people who give a shit about their work is why you should pay and appreciate for that, that item. I don't know. That was amazing. Rob, <laughs> he just like went off. <laughs> well, Walmart's ruined it. I know. Walmart I ruined it. Walmart made us too used to going out and being able to buy a $10 toaster. Yeah. $10 toaster you know, 12 times rather than just buying the one that would last you forever. You know, it, it wasn't like that or being able to with as much as I love Ikea, um, you know, that something happened. 
you know, where you could go out and spend 150 bucks and buy a bedroom set. Is it convenient? Yeah. Is it easier for the people who don't have a lot of grip? Yeah, that's true. But, you know, there comes a point in time where you, you want to try to grow out of that. Yeah. You know, where you want to say, oh, hold on a second. Like my wife and I are at that stage now where we're like, she's not, now she's at a place now where she's buying pieces and she's like, well, you know, I could give that to the girls, oh, you know, yeah. later on, you know, that, that kind of mindset, yeah. you know, where, okay, we're going to pay a little more for it, but it's, it's well built and we'll probably be able to give it away to the kids. But there was a time when we couldn't do that. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, oh, we, I grew up, we grew up poor and middle-ish and kept going up. Now they're, they're well off, but my great grandma, I still have her kitchen like set and that's what I've used. She's passed away long gone by now, but I still have her plates, her bowls, her cups. That's my everyday China. Yeah. It's indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's well built. It is. It is. Well so. built. So yeah, that's, that's, um, that, you know, that's the why, like today we were having a marketing meeting and, uh, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's, it's truth. And, uh, so they asked you, what are your three core values? We're, we're going, it's an exercise in developing the marketing brand. And everybody went through and the guy asked me and I'm like, honor, courage, commitment. And he's like, I've heard that before. I said, yeah, Navy. Oh, Navy. Okay. Yeah. Navy. I mean, I was miles a Navy brat. Um, and then I'll never forget. Uh, there was a point in time in my life when I missed those things by the mark and I'll never forget my grandfather who's a merchant Marine because they carry a lot of the same, they carry a lot of the same creed. And um, I remember being in a bad way and him coming and telling me, he goes, you need to, you need to, you need to get your, your, you know, what squared away. And you need to start exercising some honor, some courage and some commitment in your life. And um, it's not cliche. It's not cliche. Faith Faith is, is the driving point of, if, if faith is the tip of my spear, then those values are the, the, the staff that that spearhead is mounted to. Yeah. And that's how I drive everything with, with how I, how I treat my family, how I raise my kids, how I live this life, how I build my blades. It's all based on that. And I promise you, it's not cliche. It's not, I live it because it, again, I know what it's like not to have any of those things. Cause I, there was a point in time when I, I not only let my family down, I let myself down and I swore that I'd never do that again. Cause honor, uh, honor is a gift that, a that an individual gives themselves, Yeah. you know, and that's, that's, that's how I run. It's not cliche. That's why I say like, you know, the philo people, mm-hmm. they know that they know me, you know, that's, that's the way I operate, right. you know? And for me, like I look at, like we're having to have this conversation about our marketing message and the marketing guy comes back to me and he's like, well, Rob, what do you think about this? I said, listen, I said, this is a cohesive, this is a cohesive message. I, it doesn't need to come from me. Mm -hmm. I just need to be able to purchase it and believe it. So as long, exactly, as long as the values align, as long as those values don't need to, don't, they, they all don't need to be mine. Right. But if, if there are some of the values cross over, then that's good. Then I can, then I can believe it and then buy into it and then drive it. Yep. Um, but they all don't need to be mine. Yep. They don't need to be. I'm, I'm the sum. 
I'm part of, I'm, I'm not the sum, I'm the parts yeah. of a bigger machine that needs to be able to run. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. You know, cause it can't be me because then it's me. Yeah. You're, you're so, a whole brand. Yeah. People yeah, it has to live on after you too. Yeah. Yeah. And people, people need to be able to look at me and they say, oh, okay, guess Cabrera, he runs with those double star guys. Okay, well, I can see him. So therefore, okay, okay. So I can see that there's an element of their values of what they're made out of that gleans through him. Yep, yep. But it's not all him. Right. No. Yep. So Rise and fall. I think, yeah, that's what I bring. I, if I were to say, what do you bring? What do you bring to the double star team? I bring passion. Oh, I can see it. And I think I, you can hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That's what I bring. I bring passion. I, I bring this, you know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. So love what you do. If you don't love what you're doing, go do something else. Yeah. Plenty you know, there. yeah. there's plenty out there to do. Find something that you, that you're passionate about. It'll make making a living that much easier. Yeah. For you sure. know, it's, instead of being in the grind. So yeah, that's, that's that level. And for, for people that don't know, um, there's essentially two locations for Double Star too. So you're out on a cool farm uh, away from all of that stuff. So yep, late. go ahead. I was going to say, how's that different? How's that shop set up and where you can actually do your work? So the chop shop, the chop shop is up at what we would affectionately call JNT one. It was the first building where Miss Teresa and Jack chief, um, first started their real big push into the distributing um, and manufacturing world um, out there on the family farm, Miss Teresa's family farm. And uh, when they moved to the big building, JNT three, when I came on board to run the knife division, uh, they moved me out there. They moved me out there. It's my shop now. And, and well, Jack, you know, Jack brought me in that one day and he says, Rob, he says, uh, he said, this is yours. You run it how you see fit. And that's exactly it's. A, I run that. It's it's my world, my world, my rules, my shop. You know, um, and my guys know it too. They 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 treat it like it's theirs. You know, like from everything cleaning the toilets to whatever. It's 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 ours. It's gonna be a damn good job, no matter what it is. Yeah. 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 It's it's well, it's. Nick uh, did the same. He started sweeping floors, and you know. Yep not afraid to put in hard work. I don't think there's any job beneath anybody. I don't care who you are. Yep. But I think the leadership at Double Star reflects why the company is so successful because you're not being micromanaged. You are being able to innovate and, you know, still, still run the business, but I think it's just really cool. You know? Yeah. I believe in leadership. I believe in leading from the front Yeah. and leading by example. That's how it's done. 100%. Yep. It doesn't, that's it. There's no other, what, there is no other way to lead. No. People are like, what's your leadership style? Well, if it doesn't, if it doesn't adhere to those two elements, you don't have a leadership style. You're, you're just going through the motions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're just going through the motions. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I learned, I learned all about that from the very first guy that started mentoring me and surveying just happened to be another military guy. My life has been surrounded by military people. And oh my God, it has been. I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, my member, my member, his name was uh, Donald Stone Lane. He was the very first surveyor who brought me under his wing. And he told me, he says, never ask anyone to do anything you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. 
Yep. And so that's why there's times you can come up to my shop and there I'll be. I'll be cleaning toilets and sweeping floors and throwing out the trash. And yep, yep that's just what it's what the boss does. I like it. You know, I like it. The, the other thing that people don't know, and, and maybe you can talk to this, is the culture at Double Star is amazing. It's unlike anything I've seen. You've got family, like you said, people have grown up, they've seen your kids grow up around the shop, um, bring your dogs to work. Like, talk about the culture at Double Star. Uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's really hard for me because uh yes i recognize that culture i know that's the culture that's down there um and do i fit in with it yes i fit in with it down there uh but that is part of the culture down there they're they're they very much have been they've always been very accommodating to allowing people to just be chill you know, uh, as, 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 um, people would say that, well, that's got, you know, it's got issues on both sides. Yeah. But that's one of the things that, that they're always trying to maintain, even while we're growing. Yeah. Um, we're trying to, we're trying to maintain that character while pushing forward. Yeah. Um, what that's going to look like in 10 years i don't know um mm-hmm. uh, but i think i think there's always room for it as long as it's handled correctly which i think again it's all part of what we're doing now with this idea of, of working through and you know coming up with new ways to lead and and um as long as the job gets done you still have yes to yes do what they need to do but if they love what they do you know, and they need to take an emergency. Cool. They're going to work that much harder, probably saying thank you, you know, for, for being able to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another part of it. Like, um, and it's good to see that point of view too. Yeah. You know, it gives you another insight into another way a business can operate mm-hmm. um, and, and, and operate effectively. And I, and operate effect, you know, we're, we're no different than anybody else. We've got areas where we need to grow. Uh, and we're doing that and we're doing that right now. We're working on it. Uh, but the element of trying to maintain family, the family mind, um, it's hard, but we're fighting really hard to keep it. Yeah. Even though the growing is happening, uh, cause we think that that's what Miss T would have wanted. Um, again, like we're family. You know, we're like Americans, you know, we're like, we're, we're really quintessential America because, uh, I'm going to talk crap about Southern guys and Southern guys are going to talk crap about Northern guys. <laughs> but if you're an Englishman and you start talking crap about either one of us, you're probably going to get punched in the mouth, you know? And that's kind of the way I see us a double star. We're quintessential in that sense, because there's times where we just want to flat out strangle the crap out of each other but if somebody were to say something cross about one of my people from over there that'd be it man it'd be no 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 you no ain't gonna be talking like that i mean none of that jazz going on around here one of the things that nick say he he says a couple of them is take care of people check on your people all the people all the people (laughs) yeah he's but he's a people person man he's awesome at it he is he is so my man is so good with people i hate i sometimes hate people and he makes me love people 
And I love that about him because he's like, you know, I'll be like, man, I, I'll just come in. And he knows. And he's like, what's up? And I'm like, well, you know, this and that. And he goes, man, you just, you know, you gotta love people. I'm like, I don't want to love people. <laughs> I want some people want to strangle. <laughs> I can hear his voice in my head. Like <laughs> he is, he is, he's so good at talking me off the ledge. He's amazing. And he's and he's, he's right. He, he let me tell you something. And that's not a show about him. He is. He genuinely likes people. Mm-hmm. He he does. It's not a show. Yeah. It's not a show. He genuinely likes people, and I love him for that, man. Because I look at him in that element of the way he is. I wish I was that way, and I try every time I go and I spend time with him. Uh, I try to steal a little bit of that from him, yeah. you know, because he's good at it. He's just so good at it. So he is. I know. I agree. I was going to say with like the the podcast that you guys do, (laughs) like he's so good at talking to people, getting the fun out of it and like getting the serious out of it all at the same time. Yeah. From guests. So Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite episodes actually that you guys have done together in the podcast? The food episodes are awesome. (laughs) Just because I, I get a kick out of it. Just seeing the silly stuff that he's going to do. That's why he does. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's worked really hard because any of the technical advancements that we've made in that show have been because of him. Yeah. Uh, because I just, I don't have the time. Uh, and he's done a great job with that. Um, as far as favorite shows, favorite show, favorite show, favorite show. Whew. <laughs> I love the early shows. Because we did not have a damn clue what we were doing. Oh my god! Every podcast kind of starts out shitty. I was so nervous for the first. Oh my god! Well, well, I like to talk, mm-hmm. so that's good. But with that show, with the Pew Pew and Stabby podcast, we have to keep it rained. Like if they were to let us go, it would be it would be overnight. Overnight. It would be we would be if we were allowed to just do if we were allowed to just be us. Like I could just be me and he could just be him. Mm-hmm. We've like like we do, most people don't realize this, but we do the what we used to do what they called the pre-show show, which was for like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Him and I just turned on the mic and just started talking. <laughs> and I used to love those. And usually our best shows were when we used to do that. Yeah, we would just anything, anything at all. Just start talking about anything. And it was if you <laughs> if you can ever get him to play some of those for you, they're great. They're the best ones. No, I got to ask Nick for that for the, sure. Yeah, ask him about the pre-show shows because some of those were really good. <laughs> but yeah, Stacy would never let us if she, there's no way she'd ever drop the leash on us. There's no, no way. Especially live. <laughs> no way. There's no. no way she wouldn't. There's no way we gotten. I mean, we've gotten in trouble before for saying stuff and we didn't even mean it. We'd say stuff. Yeah, we got in trouble. We got in trouble for saying stuff. It's it's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we didn't even realize it. You know, yeah. well, so and so at work heard you say this and they were offended. And we're like, what? That's because we're what in 2021. We... No. Huh? It's like 2021. Everybody's offended. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They were like, well, I'm, you know, this and this and this. And I'm like, really? and then i look at him and i go he goes i don't know man i don't know what we said so like do you need us to apologize or something and like well i know so the next show we had to we had to apologize we had to we had to clarify what we said yeah yeah i think that was like episode 10 or something (laughs) 
didn't make it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, he probably he's got a way better memory than I do. He'll remember it. We said something and somebody at work was offended. Mm. And we were just like, what? Okay. Uh, what do we do now? I don't know. Do we have to issue a statement? I don't know. What's <laughs> a statement? You know? And I'm like, I'm like, dude, we got to do a retraction or something. People are going to get mad. And he's like, well, what is that? I said, I don't know. It's what all the people do. They do a retraction or whatever. So anyways, yeah, that was, that was great. So that's yeah. Pew Pew and Stabby show. We, uh, we took a hiatus for a little while. We're just trying to figure out what we're going to do with it. Yeah. Um, and where we're going to go. Uh, I'm like right now I'm so behind on podcast editing. Yeah. Um, like, I, well, for the, for the goon rules podcast, uh, I just done recordings and I've had some pretty decent shows. I just haven't had time to sit down and, you know, edit. Um, I just had, a, I had Mark Cameron. He's a writer. He's a, he's a writer for uh, Tom Clancy. So, um, what's that? So cool. I love reading. Love Tom. Yeah. Clancy. Yeah. Tom Clancy. Uh, Mark Cameron's a great guy too. He's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So cool. Um, and then I had Cameron Romero, the son of George C night of the living dead. Yep. Cameron lives right over here and he lives right over in Mount Sterling. Um, yep. And then I'm supposed to talk. I'm supposed to be working out another interview with Mark Greeny. Uh, who was just on Jack Carr's show, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, big name. Yeah. Big deals. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then we're talking about doing some other some other stuff with the Goon Rules podcast. Um, that one is just, uh, I enjoy doing them. I like doing them a lot because I just like to talk. You know, <laughs> I can't tell. No, you're the only one yeah. that, that's had a two part episode on the Reddit Glow podcast. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, when you have, like, you know, people that like the same stuff, it's easy. It is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't, Nick gets mad at me because I don't, I don't like my shows. I don't script. Yeah. 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 Period. I don't like what I'll do is I'll do like, I'll send out like two or three questions mm-hmm. prior to the show. Here's a good example. So I did me, my co host is Marcus Torgensen. He's a, he's a, he's a international crop guy. And then, uh, Craig Caudle and then Mark Cameron. So there was, there was all of us, right? So there's four of us on this podcast, there's four guys. And what I did was, was I asked four or uh, three questions prior to the podcast. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Four questions. Like I asked, like, what's your favorite book, <laughs> your favorite book. Then if you had, if you had it to do over again, would you, and why? And then I forget what the other question was. And then we were able to riff. Sure. For an entire hour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, we could have gone for two hours. Easy. But non-scripted too. Sometimes how you end up having to issue apologies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happened. I mean, that happens very seldom. No, actually, Nick is the one who wants the point. But I don't, I don't script. Yeah. For, for goon rules. I don't script. I just talk. We talk. I, I, I want it to be this feeling of, we're on the front porch with a couple of beers talking. Yeah. And that's, that's because, oh, dude, that's the best conversations I've ever had in my life with the coolest people have been in that setting. Nice. You know, and that's what I want. And that's the Goon Rules podcast. That's what I want it to feel. I want it to feel like that. You know, oh, just as I do, we're just. It was like that too. Ish. I mean, you had topics, but it was just really fun because when Nick gets off topic too, it's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. I mean, I like, I think people, I think that's when you're podcast, when you're listening to podcasts, you're not, I just don't think there's that much of an agenda. Yeah. 
you're there to be entertained in the fact of those conversations that you you're probably by yourself listening to it and you don't want to you want to be entertained in the fact that you'd like to be in that conversation yeah it's like just an open yeah exactly it's just an open conversation just we're talking about whatever and we're keeping it really loose and we're not constricting it i just i don't i don't believe in that because i don't you know you i mean you know, like a blade show, one of the biggest things at blade show is, is sitting down at tables with large groups of guys, usually six, eight of us at a table. And the conversations that are had there are just awesome. Yeah. Just awesome about anything from family to not just knives, but life stuff too. Yeah. You know? And that's why I actually, um, I didn't mention that like, okay, blade shows big one. I know NRA and it was kind of a necessary evil to go to, but it got canceled. shot. Show. I mean, all of these these things, that's like our family reunions. Um, yeah. It really is our catch up. And there's business done, but so much about business is actually just getting to know people, love on people and make personal connections, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like I got a lot, I got a group of guys that I run with after at Blade Show or at Shot Show and yeah. Blade Show. Like a lot of the Blade Show guys I run into at Shot. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the same um, circles. Yeah. <laughs> Similar. Yeah. You know, and like we've got this new one that we're developing now with the skill sets, guys, where we hit the Rumble Lounge. Um, and there's a bunch of us that end up over there at the Rumble Lounge, usually one or two nights. Uh, and that's great. I mean, you run into all kinds of people there. Um, and it's kind of we were thinking about starting to do a challenge coin for Rumble Lounge just because it's <laughs> because it's awesome. You know, yeah. Uh, I was going to and I'm actually still thinking about doing a coin. Because we missed last year. Yep. And the year before that was the, the one year that I went and I ran into Marcus or met a whole bunch of new friends. So I was thinking about doing, uh, uh, they were making fun of me because of the way I order my uh, Bloody Marys. Uh, Extra spicy? No, I've got all these hand signals and gestures. They make fun of me because I'm from New York. Um, but I was going to do a coin for that, for that show. And then every year do another coin for the Rumble Lounge. But you know, that's the way I like my podcast. I like to keep it like that, you know, yeah. just kind of like fireside, just real easy, you know, um, in the way of, again, I keep it dialed in as far as nothing. I try to stay away from one thing. I don't, I don't talk about. I try to stay away from sex. I, t- I stay away from, I really try to stay away from politics. Yeah. Um, faith i don't mind so much because i'm really i'm really open yeah but there's not too many guys because i i do i do believe in spirituality i think spirituality is a component that needs to be had in a any healthy human being um but that's about it you know long as long as the the you know they stay away from the real absurd you know uh stuff in life that really shouldn't be talked about that should be talked about behind closed doors i mean but if it's you know you know bourbon food man stuff you know if, if we have a woman there that wants to talk about guns or whatever that's great too whatever you know the alpha kind of like the alpha lifestyle but not directly lined up with guys it could be yep. it could be women i mean it could be women there who like bourbon and cooking and you know i mean dude we all like to eat almost every guy that i've had on there either has a way they like to make steak or whatever a you know? and like a, a recipe yeah. oh my god yeah all, all the guys all the guys are like that dude even like the hardcore pipe hitters dude they're yeah. They're like, they'll talk about food in a heartbeat. <laughs> they'll talk about food in a heartbeat. So um, 
Yeah. Like right now I'm getting, I think I'm getting ready to have Darren Saroy come on. I want to talk about leadership because uh, he's kind of the, the tip of the spear when it comes to leadership. He's really big on that. Um, and, and, and leadership with men in general, you know, in communities and, and how to be a leader, you yeah. know, how to be a good leader. Um, and no better person, in my opinion, to give it than somebody that's done that, you know, from that level, you know, the alphas alpha, yeah. you know, kind of thing, you know, I mean, uh, uh, non-coms, um, you know, because my great grandfather, my grandfather was one, uh, I, I've got a, you know, I've got a big, 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 big amount of respect for non-coms, non-coms. They make, they make the, they make the military turn, man. And those guys just, you, there's so much to be learned from them, whether they're a Sergeant major or, or a master chief or senior chief or, you know, or whatever that there's so much that can be learned from those guys, especially retirees that have seen combat, the amount of application, real life application to what they can bring to regular society. They're just, uh, it's, it's just amazing, you know, and yeah, entire generations are going to the wayside and never learning the things that those guys can impart on them. It's just, it's just nuts. It's the same circle we've been talking about all, all of these both episodes is learning stuff with their hands. That's probably going to die. Learning how to hunt, probably going to die. Like these, these things that we've seen, they're generational gaps, and it, it's scary. To think about that. So go ask your people, your grandparents, grandmas, all of them, you know, about their history and about their mm-hmm. lives, like the things that maybe write them down, maybe record a video like this. If you don't like writing, you know, Yep. that's why yep. I try to capture more stories about people's lives. And, um, actually you, you've actually told me a couple mottos like that you live by. Do you want to share some of the mottos that you live your life by? <laughs> I really enjoy the random ones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, the one about doing what you love, that's a big one. You know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's the biggest thing. Um, the one about, I, I'm, I'm not a big believer in luck, mm-hmm. you know, luck is the last dying wish of those who think winning is an accident. I don't believe in that. Um, we work too you know, hard for people to say, Oh, lucky. And I'm like, yeah, luck, luck is where, you know, preparation and opportunity meet, yeah. you know, uh, I, I believe in doing your pushups, you know, doing the, doing the hard, hard and heavy lifting to make sure that you're ready to do those things. Um, Wow. Again, never deny that third dimension of yourself, spirit. Yeah. Recognize a part of you that recognize the part of you that you can't put your hands on. You know, and embrace it and nurture it, feed it. So, Rob, any final thoughts you want to leave listeners with? Uh well, check out Double Star Blades. And Double Star Corp, what we got going on on the gun side. Um, check us out because we're, we're, like I said, we're the quintessential, quintessential American company. Uh, we got a lot of good folks made in Kentucky. Um, we're passionate about what we're doing. And we're, uh, we really enjoy what we do. And, uh, yeah, just keep your ear to the rail. Uh, keep doing your push-ups. <laughs> keep doing all the important stuff so that you're ready to go when it comes time to be ready to go. That's it. That's about, that's about all I can leave everybody with, man. Just be, uh, and, and stick to the basics, no matter what it is, stick to the basics. Love it. So, uh, yeah. What's your website and what's your social media for people to follow you online? Uh, check me out at, uh, well, for the double star blades is, uh, at, at IG, 
it's a uh, double star blades, double star underscore blades. And then we're also on Facebook as well. And as far as what I'm going on personally, uh, Philo Blade Works and Goon Rules. Goon Rules is the training side of what I do as well as the podcast. So cool, man. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for sharing all this information. And I just, I learned a lot on my own. So hopefully somebody else picked up something too. Absolutely. And uh, good luck with the, good luck with the podcast. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Thank you for sure. Well, all I'll right. see you soon. I'm sure I'll be in Kentucky, you know, tomorrow, but. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Have a great week too. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.